Um, listen, we got some really cool things coming up. We're going to talk about unleashing the church. And when you talk about unleashing the church, I think it's important for you to understand what that means. What are we, what are we talking about? When we talk about unleash, we want, to, we want to do just that. The church is never meant to be uh, uh, implosive. We're always supposed to explode. We're supposed to go out, right? Uh, it's not about trying to get people to come in as much as it is training people to go out. So um, we got to keep that thing in mind. And, and I really do believe that the church over the last few years has not done a good job at that. I think that we've turned inward focused and we're kind of looking at ourselves and we want to, we, we want to make sure that uh, we have everything that we need. God forbid that we meet at a place that doesn't have air conditioning or something like that. You know, we, we just want to be comfortable. Uh, we want to live our little comfortable Christian lives. And that's never what you see in the scriptures. Never. It's all a call to commitment. It's a call to sacrifice. By the way, I think Ray killed it last week with radical sacrifice. Thank you, Ray. That was awesome. By the way, we've got a podcast now. So if you want to search for us on uh, iTunes, you can find the Reliant Podcast. And Ray's uh, one of the first ones that will come up there if you missed that last week. But you did a great job talking about radical sacrifice because that's what it takes to win a community. That's what it takes to win the world. So we're going to talk about unleashing the church. And let me just start off by saying this. There, there, I had an old friend one time, and he told me this. He said, a man can do anything he wants to do if he has the right tools. Anybody ever heard that before? Anybody heard that? You can do anything you want to do if you have the right tools. That's a true statement. Okay? So when I got into construction, what I would do, the very first thing is I would think, do I have the right tools? If I'd never done the job before, I would say this. Do they have tools for that job? Because if you get the right tools, I'll guarantee you, it's going to go a whole lot smoother, a whole lot faster. You're going to save a whole lot of money if you get the right tools. So I practice that even today as I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do anytime that I think. And as a matter of fact, I even carry that into the church world. Do we have the right tools to do what we're trying to do? Let's use an example of basketball. In basketball, you have to have some tools. Like, for example, you have to have a ball. If you don't have a ball, you're not playing basketball. You got to have a goal. Are you with me? But there's some other things that you got to have. You might need some tennis shoes. Uh, if you go out there and try to play in dress shoes, you're going to hurt yourself. Uh, you wouldn't want to do that in jeans. You're going to want to have shorts. There's just different things, different types of tools that you need. But when you're going to do basketball and you're going to do basketball well, there's something else that you have to have as well. You've got to have some talent and some ability. There are some people that are not athletically inclined. Now, this is not a slam on you. If you don't play basketball, that's completely fine. I'm sure that you excel in other areas. But if you don't have some type of athletic ability, you're probably not going to do well in basketball. So if you think about that, and you, you take regular players, um, there are people that are playing basketball every week. Um, you know, that just happens all the time. You're going to see that in school, college, pro. Uh, you're going to see that all the time, right? They've got some type of talent and ability, but then something amazing happens every once in a while. Something that's really unexplainable. You get a person like Michael Jordan. You take a person like Michael Jordan... He's got the right tools. He makes sure that he has the right tools. He's got some talents and abilities. But then he's got something a little bit more than that, doesn't he? You know, and listen, here's the way that we describe that. We would say that he's got a God-given ability. And what that means is, is that it goes above and beyond 
your ability to learn such a thing. It's something that has been bestowed upon you. And for whatever reason, that dude can just flat out play basketball. You know what I mean? In January, um, uh, ESPN put out a list of the top 10 uh, shooting guards of all time. You know who was at number one? Michael Jordan. Okay. Now we could probably get into some discussion about that. I'm just telling you what ESPN said. Okay. But the truth is, is that he's got some God-given ability to do what he does. I don't care how long that I practiced. I don't care how long that I learned from Michael Jordan. I'm never going to play basketball the way that he plays. Um, For one thing, he towers over me. I I don't have the stature to do that. That would be one of those tools that you need, right? He's just been made for the purpose, okay? So, you know, take it for what it is. He's a basketball player. But let's take that same idea and let's take it into the church because I think here's the problem, that Christianity is much the same way today when we talk about uh, unleashing the church and finding out what the church is all about. You got to have the right tools, And you know what? You can even have some talents and abilities. You might be able to speak well, and you need some of those talents and abilities. You need to be able to speak well, not only in front of people, but even in private. As you're doing one-on-one discipleship or whatever the case is, you need to be able to talk to people. You need to to be able to have some type of leadership skills if you're going to manage people. And that's what a church is all about, as you're you're getting a group of people together to do something. You've got to have some talents and abilities. But listen, I believe that what's happened is... The church has moved into the same problem that that people like me who want to play basketball have, is that do you actually have that God-given ability? You see, it's got to go beyond just the fact that we organized well. It's got to go beyond the fact that we just have some talents and abilities or that we can structure things well or we can make things look nice. God has to come down. And I think the reason why the church is not unleashed on the world is because we've, we're lacking that God-given ability. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians. We're going to go through uh, the book of Ephesians, Ephesians as we talk about unleashing the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the gospel on the world. And what does that really look like and what does that take? So when you get over to Ephesians, and I want to get there myself, I want us to look together at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 1. And I want you to notice what it says here. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me stop here for a moment because I've got to say this, and I know that some of you might be a little bit offended by that's not what I'm trying to do by this, but listen, just because you come to church does not mean that you are the church. Just because you come to church does not mean you are the church. You see, this is where people really struggle. And that's why we, we talk about those talents and abilities and it's good that you showed up and all that. But listen, if you're going to live a successful Christian life, you have to have that God peace. You have to have God in your heart. When he's writing this to the, to the Ephesians, this is what he says. He, he says, uh, to the saints who, who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. He's not talking to all of, the, all of Ephesus. He's talking to the church of Ephesus who are the saints of God, who are faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's really important because he's about to talk about all the blessings that they're going to get and all those kinds of things. Listen, people want the blessings of God without God. 
People want to have all those blessings. They want to have all that power. Have you ever stopped to think, why is it that you, as a Christian, you're able to do so much more? How come you have so much faith? How come you're able to, to handle your kids? How come your life doesn't look like a shambles like mine does? Let me tell you, the only difference is that God peace. We're all messed up. We're all struggling. But listen, when God comes in, when you, when you yield yourself over to the Lord and let the Lord live through you, that's when you're going to see the power of God. But you're not going to be able to manufacture that. Are you hearing me this morning? You can't manufacture it. This causes a lot of people to, get, to, to feel struggle in their Christian life. And in all honesty, it causes many to walk away from the Christianity because they say the same thing that people say about Michael Jordan, I can never be like that. I can never do that. I can never play like that. I might as well not even play the game. Listen, there's a lot of people that are playing basketball today because of Michael Jordan. He's inspired a lot of people, but yet nobody's matched up to his standard. You see, the same thing happens in church a lot of times, but I'm, I'm telling you this. If you have God in your life, there is nothing that you can't do. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, with me, all things are possible. But he also said this, without me, you can do nothing. So he, it's an all or nothing kind of statement. You either have Jesus in your life and have yielded over to him, and he's doing miraculous things in your life, or you're trying to do things in the flesh, and you're trying to manufacture things, and listen, you might even be able to fake it a while. You might have some talents and abilities that allow you to fake it for a little bit, but what we need to come to the understanding is if we're going to unleash on this town, if our town is going to look at us and say, you're different. You guys have reached a spirituality that I don't understand. It's got to be a God-given thing. It's because people will have come together who have the Lord Jesus Christ living in their heart and they are faithful unto Him. Not because of our talents and abilities. Our church, Reliant, is not going to be made or broken if Josh gets something in his throat on a Sunday morning. Listen, I'll be honest with you. If, if that's what we're looking at church to to, to de desire whether we had a good service or not, <laughs> we're off. Because you know what I know? The Bible says this, when God's people come together, that Jesus Christ is in the midst. Do you have God in your life on a daily basis that causes you to do God-sized things? There's something that I've preached and that I will always continue to preach. If we ever figure out who we are, we will change the world Amen. if we ever figure it out. The truth is, is that we don't understand what it means to be called a son of God or a saint. You see, most of us don't look at ourselves as saint. If, I, if we were to walk around and I were to say Saint Ray or Saint Alan, you'd be like, oh, whoa, wait, whoa. Do you know me? See, here's what I know. I know that you know Christ. That's all I really need to know. Do you really know that that's all that God's really concerned with? What is a saint? A saint has somebody, is somebody who's been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll talk about that here in a minute. But you have to have those things if you're going to live a successful Christian life. So let's continue to talk about the scripture. Um, because what, what you see here in verse number 3, and just go ahead and go to verse number 3 with me. It, it says this. 
Let me get to it in my notes. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you ever take some time to just bless the Lord? I love that song that we sing sometimes. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, right? Do you ever, do you ever just bless the Lord? You know, a lot of times we get on our knees and we're, and we're very quick to say, Lord, help me, I need, I need, I need, right? You know, the Bible says to come into his gates with thanksgiving. Bless the Lord. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Listen, you can't take that little phrase of in Christ out of there. You have blessings in Christ. Outside of Christ, there are no blessings. You see, here's one of the dangers that you find in religion. Religion will tell you that if you do the right things, then right things will happen to you. Is that true? No. <laughs> Not in this world that I live in. What I find is this world is very unfair. That as a matter of fact, if you are doing the right things, you're probably the sucker for somebody. Right? That's just the way that life goes. Religion will tell you that though. Let's do the right things. The right things will happen. I'm telling you this. You need Jesus. Because this world is not fair. And it's not going to be fair to you. But here's where you're blessed with, with all heavenly things and heavenly places. In Christ Jesus. You've got to have Christ. It goes on in verse number 4. It says, even as he chose us. In, in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. Isn't it an amazing thing that God would choose you? As I was praying over the service with the team this morning, I, I, I said that. I said, Lord, I know you could have chose somebody else today. There could be somebody else up here preaching. There could have been somebody else up here singing. Uh, there could have been somebody else out in the parking lot. But you know what? God chose me. God chose you. God chose us to be here at this time. And that's not on accident. What a blessing that God would say, I love you, I care about you, I'm going to empower you. Through me you can do all things. I choose you. You see, there was a time in my life early on that I said, God, I choose you. <clears throat> but God comes back and he says, no, wait a minute. I choose you too. I want that to sink in for a second. I want you to understand that when you come into Christ, that Christ is the vehicle of salvation. Christ is the vehicle that is moving on this earth to win people to Christ. And you need to get in. If you're not in Christ, you're going to have some problems. If you try to run at another vehicle and do another thing. Listen, you have people all the time say, you know, I don't really need church to serve God. I completely and totally disagree according to the scriptures because Christ said, I will build my church. Christ said that the church is who he's going to empower. That the church is the one that he's going to use. His people who are called by his name. You need church. Church is the way that we function together. And that we get unified together around the word of God to go out and change this world. You're never meant to do that on your own. You're never meant to do that by yourself. God never commanded you go out on your own and be a lone ranger. Never. When you look throughout the scriptures, what you see is even when they did send them out, they sent them out in teams. Why? Because the Bible tells us that a wise man has a brother to pick him up when he falls. And everybody falls sometimes. You got to have somebody there. You got to have somebody with you. But I will say this, Christ is that chosen vehicle of salvation. And he's the one that you want to get into. You got to get into the Lord. 
So we get to that invitation of salvation. And listen, I want to just stop here for a second. God is calling you today. God wants you to be a part of this. I I don't know where you're at today. As you sit here in, in, in an auditorium this size with this many people, I'll bet you that there's somebody here that you're probably really thankful that you got up this morning and you came to church. And I really am too. I'm glad that you're here. But listen, I wonder if you would just take it one step farther because I don't want you to be misled in thinking that God is pleased just because you came here this morning. If you are lost in your sin, if you've not yet been chosen and gotten into Christ, then you are lost in your sin. And there's a problem with that. But God says, wait a minute. I brought you here that you could hear the message of salvation. Jesus paid it all, and you can be saved today. There's no reason for you to walk around like that. There's no reason for you not to have the power of God when he says, I will freely give it to you. I'll freely give it to you. And you can be chosen. He's writing this to the chosen. He's writing this to those who have received Christ as their Lord and Savior, who are in Christ and in that vehicle of salvation. Let me tell you what the world looks like. Matthew chapter 7. You don't have to turn there. Stay in Ephesians, right? Anytime I go anywhere else today, I want you to stay in Ephesians. You can see it on the screen, all right? Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 says this. Enter by the narrow gate. He says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, isn't it? Everybody's like a huge river and they're all going through the broad gate, man. Everybody's moving that way. I was talking to somebody just not too long ago, one of the leaders of our church, and, and they were saying, you know what? People don't even understand what sin is any longer. You know why? Because they're just swept in the wave of sin that's happening. You have to literally bob your head up above the waves and say, wait a minute, I'm not going down the broad way. I'm not going to take that way. Here's what the scripture says. He says, for, it says, uh, uh, wide is the way and easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it uh, uh, are, are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I love the fact that he put in there it's hard. Because listen, I'm telling you right now, when you come to Christ, I don't want to give you all kinds of flowers and rainbows and tell you that when you come to Christ and start swimming upstream, that somehow it gets easier. Because that's not true. You want the easy life? Let me tell you what the easy life is. Just go with the flow. Just go with the flow. You won't have any complications. You won't, you, you, you won't have any conflicts in your life. You can just go with the flow. But let me tell you, that way leads to destruction. Have you watched people that just go with the flow? Have you watched marriages that just go with the flow? Have you watched all the adultery and the pornography and the, and, and, and the sex trafficking and the drugs and the alcohol and all the things that people say, well, how, how come I can't do that? I say, listen, broad is the way, man. Everybody's doing that. Go ahead. But every once in a while, people say, wait a minute. That's not good for me. That's not the way that Jesus goes. I think I'm going to enter into the gate. I don't want the broad way. I want the gate. You know who the gate is? It's Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open unto me, I will come unto him and I will sup with him. You see, God says, I'm right there. I'm right at the gate. Why don't you come in the gate? Now, it's not going to be easy. 
I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be easy. But you'll have joy. You'll have fulfillment. You'll have heaven. You'll have a relationship with God. You'll have the power of God on your life to get you through the struggles. See, listen, everybody goes through the struggles, right? Some people have God. Some people don't. Some people have faith. Some people don't. Some people have hope. And some people don't. If I'm going to go through the struggles anyway, I'll take the faith, joy, and hope, and purpose. Amen? Amen. You got to be in Jesus. That doesn't come naturally. That doesn't come naturally. That's not going to be a natural ability. Listen to me carefully. I don't care how much you read your Bible. I don't care how much you get on your knees and pray. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, it's going to be for nothing. You're probably going to be sitting there saying, why can't I get something out of the Bible? I, they, t- they tell me, to, I, I'm having a problem with what they say. Go to the scriptures. I want you to read the scriptures. I want you to do this. I want you... Listen, if you don't have God in your life, it really doesn't matter. But when you have Jesus and you open up the scriptures and in the power of God, you say, Lord, I need to see you today. I need to understand you today. Then, you, then something God-sized and God-given happens. The Holy Spirit will teach you the scriptures. Do you know that the scripture says that no natural man even can receive the scriptures? You're not going to know what it is. That's why people a lot of times they say, Psh, that's not for me. That's not my thing. Because I don't get anything out of it anyway. The preacher always has all this stuff out of the scriptures. I get nothing. that. Listen, it, you just need the Holy Spirit. You just need God. And all of a sudden, miracles will happen when you open up that book. Miracles as he reveals himself to who he is and who you are. Listen, I want to go on. Let's, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Let's look at 5 and 6. He says this also, Not only are we blessed uh, to be chosen in Christ, but we're also blessed to be adopted through Christ. Man, you've got to get this one down. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says, He predestinated us for adoption as sons. Now listen, there's a lot of people who struggle with this passage. If you've been around Christianity at all, they're going to talk about predestination and those kind of things. Let me just show you what the scripture says here in the context of what it's saying there when it says that He predestined us for adoption. He did not predestine who would be adopted. He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. So what the scripture is saying there, again, you can't take that Jesus Christ beast out of there. And listen, if God was just going to predestinate, there's no reason for the cross. If he's going to save whoever he wants to save anyway, there's no reason for the cross. He could just make that decision. But no, it's all through Christ, in Christ. He made a way of predestination. He made a way for people to come to Christ through him. That's what he predestinated. What is, that means before thought, right? God actually thought it through. He actually has a plan. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't it a blessing that God has a plan? He's not just shooting from the hip. He's not just saying, man, I don't know who's going to be saying, well, let me pick somebody. No, he predestined a plan of adoption. I have a friend, a real good friend of mine named Wayne Barron. It wasn't too long ago that he went over to Ukraine And he adopted a child. Listen, that started way before he ever went to Ukraine. As he and his wife sat down and they said, you know what? 
I think we could help somebody. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take money. Let's do it. And they decided to adopt. Then they go and they see who they're going to adopt. But the plan was predestinated. Understand? This predestination, there's a couple of things I want you to understand here. Receiving Christ gives you the right to become the children of God. Not everybody has that. And what I'm trying to get you to understand this morning is that if we're truly going to unleash the power of God, you have to have God. So when you receive Christ, then you have the right to become the children of God. John chapter 1 verse number 12 says this, But to all who did receive him, but to all, I love these all-inclusive statements that are made, right? When it says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Listen, not everybody believes. Not everybody comes to that understanding that I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Not everybody's at that stage. There are people out there saying, listen, we, we all serve the same God. You can come to God however you want. Listen, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you're going to come to the Lord, you must come through His Son. You must come through Jesus. That's the only way of salvation. And everybody has that right if you will receive Him and believe Him then you can be saved as well. You can be a child of God. Well, we're all children of God. Oh, no, 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 no. Listen, when you study the scriptures, do you know what Jesus said to the Pharisees? You're a liar just like your father, the, the devil. There's a couple of different fathers out there. You see, Adam had... God as his father. If you go back in Luke chapter 3 and you look at the, the genealogy, it'll say that you know Enoch had his father, uh, Adam. Adam had his father who was God. But you see, Adam decided he wanted a different father. And so he began to follow Satan and he followed the rule of Satan. He became a liar, just like Satan became a liar. How sad of a story is that? And God says, oh, now I need to redeem I need to bring back. You see, he didn't, he didn't make Adam for Satan. Amen? Right. He made him for himself. Right. He said, oh, no, wait a minute. I, I'm more powerful than that. I've already predestinated a plan. My son will come, and, and, and where you thought you were going to take him out at the legs, he's just going to chop your head off, Satan. And I'm going to have my people. And now that Jesus has died on the cross for you and for me, who, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. So important that we understand this. God's made a way of adoption. Listen, adoption is not cheap. You need to understand this. I want you to look at verse number 7, Ephesians 1, 7. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. How did, we, how did we get this redemption? How did we get God into our lives? You say, well, it's just my choice. It's just something that happened. No, there was a predestinated plan for your adoption, and your adoption was not cheap. It cost the blood of His Son. The Bible says that we have redemption through His Son, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the richness of His grace. Don't ever cheapen the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You need to understand what it cost for you to be a child. 
Because I think when we, when we really get that thing down and you understand that He sacrificed His own Son, that you might be saved, you're going to sit back and you say, wait a minute, how can I withhold my life from the very one who gave His life for me? Bought it with a price. <clears throat> That's the cost of our salvation. Listen, a child never pays for his own adoption. Think about this with me. When my friend Wayne went over there to Ukraine, what would it have been like? Now, I don't know if you know anything about Ukraine. We're going to be going there next year. But it's very, very poor. They've been out of communism now for about 22 years, I think it is. Maybe 25 years now. Uh, not very long at all. And listen, they have no money. If you go over to their houses, you know what their yards are? You see, they don't have little landscaping. Man, we, we, we wouldn't know what to do because there's not a landscaping company around, right? That's, that, they don't have any grass. You know why? Because they're growing food in their yards. That's all the food that they have. They're growing their own food because they have no money. They, they, they have no thing. Listen, what would what, what happen if Wayne goes over to Ukraine and he looks at this little 12-year-old girl or this 6-year-old girl and says, uh, hey, I'd like to adopt you. Now, that, listen, that's going to be about $20,000. So if you could, you know, ante up and come up with that, then, then I'll take you home. Do you, know what, do you know what that person would hear? Well, that's hopeless. That's, I, I can't. I have nothing to pay. I, have nothing to offer. Listen, you know what the Bible says about us? That we, in our spirit, are bankrupt. We have nothing to offer God. Our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags unto the Lord. You can't buy your way to heaven. You can't pay your way to heaven. You can't be good enough to make it into heaven. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You're not going to make it in. If God comes to you and requires anything of you, you're not going to be able to pay. So praise God he had a plan. I'm going to predestine a plan that my son will come and pay it in full. That you might be adopted. Listen, I want you to sit back. I want you to think for a second. Have you been adopted? And if you have, let's think about that with an adult mind. A child might not understand. All they know is that they're going from, a, you know, from a, 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 some, some type of an orphanage to... A house, and they probably don't get what really happened there. But as adults, let's think about it as adults for a second. We understand the toil and the pain and the time and the money and the effort that it takes to adopt a child, don't we? Do you think that it's any cheaper for your adoption? As God says, listen, let me give you a blessing. Not only did I choose you in Christ, but I predestined a plan that you could be a son of mine. If we ever figure out who we are, we're going to change the world. We've been adopted by God himself. Why in the world will we not unleash that love on everybody else? I'm afraid we don't understand it. I'm afraid that we don't understand what God has done for us. Here's the last thing that I want you to understand. This has got three parts to it. If you're taking notes, not only are we blessed to be adopted through Christ, but the last thing is this, we're blessed with spiritual gifts. In Christ, remember, there has to be that gifting, right? Not only is it, not only are you a child of God, not only have you been chosen and predestined and, and and adopted in the Lord, but here's also what's happened. Now you've gotten spiritual gifts. God said, "I'm going to come to you. I'm going to bless you with myself." Ephesians chapter one verses eight through ten says this. 
which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known unto us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let me just sum that up for you. God has told you what he's doing. Do you realize that God didn't have to do that? God didn't have to share the plan with you. But if we're going to unleash the church on this world, we better know what the plan of God is. And you've been blessed with that. We'll say, I don't know. How have I been blessed with that? Because you have that book in your hand that gives you from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning of man's story to the end of man's story, you've got the entire thing. God has said, I've withheld nothing. I've given you everything. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I don't call you servants. You see, and sometimes we're, we're satisfied with that. We're satisfied with just being servants of the Lord and just being at that place where, thank God I'm going to heaven, right? Listen, no, don't be just a servant. He's made you a son. He's made you a daughter. He's brought you not into his family to serve his family. You are his family. You are his family. Do you ever look at yourself like that? God, thank you for adopting me into such a great family. Listen, when I think about you guys, that's the way I think. My brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. What an amazing thing. Here's what Jesus said in John 15, 15 and 16. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I called you friends. Let it soak in. I called you friends. He doesn't want you to serve. He wants you to join. He wants you to be with him. Walk with me. Let's minister together. Why did he call them friends? He says, for, I have, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. Isn't that interesting? He says, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he may give it you. Listen, when I was 18 years old, my dad and my mom, they sat me down. My dad said, okay, listen, you've got three choices. Go to college, you can live here. You cannot go to college, you can pay me rent or you can go get a place to live. And that was it, right? It was time for me to start my life. It was time for me to get going. It was time for me to do whatever I was going to do. Listen, if I, if I had been 28 still in my dad's house, I'd probably be dead. Because he'd probably try to kill me. Right? Like, that was not going to work. That was not a part of the plan. And, and listen, I think as Christians sometimes that, that God says, Listen, I've told you everything. I've asked you to join me in what I'm doing. You're not one of my sons and daughters. I've given you all the power that you need. And your 28-year-old kid's still sitting in the house. Playing video games. Thinking that it's okay. When God says, No, I've ordained you to go out and to bear fruit. In my name, in my power, let's go do something together. We need to unleash on this place, man. We need people to understand that there's a preordained plan, that they don't have to go to hell, that they don't have to be separated from God, that they can have all the blessings that we have because anybody who chooses to receive Him and believe Him can come into Christ just like we have. What am I saying? Let's get busy. 
Let's put down the video games. Let's put down all the things that are keeping us distracted from the mission of God. And let's get busy for Him. Listen, if you really understand who you are, everything else will, will pale in comparison. Everything else will pale in comparison. Well, you don't understand my family dynamics. You don't understand. Listen, I'm telling you right now that when you understand that you have the answer for the world, you'll change the world. But we got to get unselfish. We got to know who we are. We have an everlasting inheritance. Not only has he told us everything, but he's given us an everlasting inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 11 through 12, it says, In him we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who, who, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Isn't it a blessing that you have everlasting life? You know, I think this one we don't struggle with. I think everybody's okay with that, that. That we know that, you know, if we receive Christ and we pass from this life that we have an everlasting inheritance. But listen, do you know what the Bible definition of everlasting life is? It's found in John chapter 17 and verse number 3. And it says this, everlasting life is to know God. It's to know Him. If you're waiting on everlasting life, you don't understand what everlasting life is. Because if you truly understand it, you know that it's about God right now. I'm living my everlasting life right now. Right now. That's the hope that I have within me. Now, one of the greatest hopes is, is that when this body gives out, or somebody runs over it, or whatever the case is, I have a hope. That was kind of gruesome, wasn't it? Sorry, it just was the first thing that came to my mind. It happens, though. Right? But you know what the blessing is? That doesn't determine me. That doesn't define me. I'm a son of the Most High God. I have an everlasting inheritance. I will be with Him forever and I love it. You know, there have been many people that have been burned to the stake and sawn asunder. You know why? Because there's a hope within them of an everlasting life that this world cannot touch. If we ever understand who we are, we'll change the world. The last thing that I want to share with you is this. It's about the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13, it says this. It says, In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, so that you have to have that first, you have to have that time where you receive and you believe, but listen, the blessing is that you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So God says this, My children, I will not leave you alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When you call upon my name, when you receive me as your Lord and Savior, I will come into you. I will be with you always. That's our God. And that's the blessing that we have, is that revelation that the Holy Spirit is now living in our, in our lives. That's where we get that God-given talent. That's where we get that God-given ability, that power to affect the world that nobody seems to be able to affect. You know why? Because we're more concerned with what color lights we have in the auditorium than the fact that people need Jesus. And I'm not even mad yet. I'm just excited. I'm excited for our church. I'm excited for us to get on mission. I'm excited for Clarkston. I'm excited for the fact that God says, you know what? You don't have to travel the world. I'll just bring them to you. 
Do you realize that the reason why we're talking about this refugee camp is because it's one of the largest refugee camps in America. Right in Atlanta. Just right outside of our doors. Everybody from all nations are right outside our doors. Let's just go win them. Or at least go love on them. We got to do something. Because we got Jesus in our hearts. And He wants to unleash that love on this world. Not through your power. Listen, I could frustrate you to no end. And we could try to do this on our own. And we could try to do this on our own strength. And I'm telling you right now, it would just frustrate you to no end. Because you don't have the means or power within you to truly affect this world for Christ. You know what we have to do? We have to give over. We have to yield ourselves to the Lord and let the Lord live through us. My life verse, Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what this thing is about.